Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today our topic is road trips. And do you like a road trip? I do like a road trip. They're for fun. to go on them or to read about them? Um, I like going on them a lot. I didn't have as many books about road trips as I thought I would when we discussed this <laughs> topic. And so um, so apparently I don't read about them very often, but I, I, I have lots of books that, like, it's kind of a trope of, of the road trip book. And they always sound super fun because they're so much fun to do in real life. So you get your snacks and you get a book going and... Yeah it's just fun and good people that you go with like they're fun on your own or they're fun with other people what do you think about them I like them too I don't so we tend to do the same road trip over and over which is to go to South Carolina where my parents (laughs) live and that gets a little bit boring I'll admit because it's it's a lot of highway and we do it frequently enough that it gets a little bit old but I do like a road trip I think especially if you're seeing a new part of the country that's Mm -hmm. always interesting to do via car and it makes it go faster and yeah and in books I think shenanigans can ensue when when there's a road trip storyline I think it it lends the story very nicely to introduce new people and new situations and I think that that's why I personally love a road trip book and I I also think it is a standard trope in romance which is partially why I've read a lot of books with road trips because it's a forced proximity Mm -hmm. throw people into new situation fish out of water kind of situations that that romances are just perfect for Mm -hmm. for those sorts of uh for those tropes so yeah I love a road trip Anne knows this already but on Friday I spent the entire day 12 hours trying to travel somewhere that in the end we just came right back home and that was through the airlines and so I would have much preferred being in a car for those 12 hours making (laughs) progress than sitting in an airport getting on a flight for a 30-minute flight to sit in that airport to then get on a flight to come back home so so yeah the car the car is the way to go right now I think that that's the most surefire way you have of getting somewhere right now and yeah you can do lots of fun things you can play car games you can if you're with somebody else or by yourself, I guess you could play a card game, a car game. You could you can listen to books, you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to good music. There just there's just something about a road trip. There's a lot yeah. of possibility built into a road trip. Did I tell you about so so I was just thinking about how the shenanigans that happen in books don't happen in real life, but I did have a shenanigan a road, road trip shenanigan. Um in w- that I was driving, I was moving to Indiana from Arizona and uh, through some circumstances that aren't worth getting into, we ran out of gas in oh. the middle of the night in oh, no. northern Arizona <laughs> oh, no. and uh, had to walk in the dark for, for a lot of, not miles and miles, because I think we just tried to find a, where we could call and say where right. we were. But it was terrifying. And That's it was awful. And it that was, could have ended very terribly. Could, yeah. And I just kept thinking, I know El Chupacabra is out there watching us <laughs> right now. <laughs> But we survived it. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you lived to tell the tale. That sounds very scary and it very was. unfun in the middle of the night. The last no. thing I would want to be doing in the middle of the night is trying to find gas. Yeah. But it would have made a good book, too. It would have. It would be that. a good start to a thriller or a romance. Yeah. Well, you meet yeah. somebody on the side. You know, you meet somebody stops to offer you a ride. Yeah. 
that was and sc- that, that could go happen, but one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking more thriller because it was terrifying when when someone stopped to help us. So <laughs> there is a great. I think it's a Susan Elizabeth Phillips book that starts with a woman walking down the road in I want to say a rabbit costume, and some guy stops to see if she needs a ride because her car broke down. Oh my gosh! It, it is. <laughs> It's a very wacky uh, start of a book, but it's hilarious. It just pulls you in right away. All right. Well, I don't know that we have that much more to say about road trips, so I think we could probably start talking about which which books we brought today. Okay. Sounds good. Um, So first, I'm going to talk about The Summer Seekers by Sarah Morgan. And this was the first book that came to mind, and I actually said to Hallie, I claim this instantly (laughs) because that was, you know, a, a good, such a good road trip book that I had to, to have it. So we read this last year or two years ago, I guess, for the reading list. And I think we were both really surprised by it because it kind of seemed a little bit throwaway from mm-hmm. what I was picturing going into it. But I actually really enjoyed it a lot. So it's about a woman named Kathleen and she is 80 years old and she's British and she has a daughter named Liza. And they have a strained relationship because Kathleen was she hosted a travel show called the summer seekers and she has always had this sort of carefree very independent um sort of persona and as a result liza felt pretty abandoned as she was growing up because kathleen was always off filming and that um she felt like her mother was never there for her and that she didn't have the security that she craved so when she grew up she became everything that kathleen was not she has a house and a husband and kids and is very stable so at the start of the book, Kathleen has a small incident with a man breaking into her house. And to me, that's not a comical thing, but in this book it is. And it terrifies Liza and she wants Kathleen to move to a retirement community. But instead, this moment spurs Kathleen into planning a trip that she's always dreamed of, which is to drive Route 66 from Chicago to San Diego. So she's 80 and she knows that she can't drive this on her own. So she advertises for a driver and a young woman named Martha answers and Martha is her in her own place in life that's kind of difficult because she has gotten divorced but she's only 25 and she has moved back in with her parents and she just feels like her life is supposed to just be starting and she's already failed at it basically so she actually hates driving but she decides that she really likes Kathleen so she wants to do this trip and um, Liza is sort of placated by getting updates from from Martha even though Liza has said that she craves home and stability, she's actually pretty fed up with her husband and her teenagers who, who take her for granted. And so she decides that she's going to house sit at Kathleen's cottage and she has time to herself to try to understand the choices that her mother made and come to terms with the lack of emotional support that Kathleen provided as she was growing up. And these are questions that, that have always kind of fascinated me that there's this line between what you offer to your children and how you honor yourself as an individual. And so I thought this book explored those in ways that were really believable and compelling. And it didn't give Kathleen an easy way out, but it also created a path between her and her daughter to to understand each other. So the road trip part is completely delightful because it's two British women of vastly different ages (laughs) who are exploring this quintessentially U.S., scenario like Mm -hmm. route 66 is such a stereotype of americana so it so they're going through all of these kind of really ridiculous situations but it's also heartbreaking because they both have to come to terms with the decision with the decisions that they made in the past and what has gotten them to that point so 
Um, do you have any thoughts on this book? Because I know you liked it. I loved too. this book. Yes, this one was such a pleasant surprise when I read it. And I remember passing it along to my mom. And just, I really, really loved it. It's 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 that relationship fiction that I love anyway, but done, mm-hmm. just done perfectly. Just yeah. done so well. You get to know each of the characters as their own people and and why they are doing what they're doing, why they're in the situations that they're in. And then you have their both literal journey of the road trip and then the emotional journeys that they go on and they the the two that are driving together pick up a hitchhiker and that leads to some some fun some fun content in there and yeah this is great I think that it's a great summer book uh, and and it's just generally a really good really good solid enjoyable story that's very touching but funny and yeah I loved it yeah it was a good one so that is The Summer Seekers by Sarah Morgan my first one is Mrs. Nash's Ashes by Sarah Adler. And this is the whole reason we are doing this episode is that I wanted an <laughs> excuse to talk about this book because I read it a few weeks ago and I just loved it. And it is a debut novel from this author. I don't I don't believe she's written anything else. And it was such a strong debut. And I that always gets me excited when somebody comes out of the gate and you think, well, this was so good and so assured and so confident and and what else will she do next and I it's always fun to have a new author to look forward to their books when they come out this is about Millicent who goes by Millie and she is a former child star who after she has broken up with her boyfriend she ended up moving in with her landlord and the person who became her friend and this that is mrs nash uh, she uh she's an elderly woman but millie and mrs nash became very very close and millie kind of became her caretaker towards the end of her life and she learned that elsie i think is mrs nash's name elsie had a, a great love of her life when she was a young girl and young woman but lost touch with this this person who who is a woman even though she went on mrs nash went on to marry a man the, this great love of her life was this woman that she lost touch with and it's always been a big regret for her that that she doesn't speak to this person anymore and so millie takes it upon herself she was trying to track this person down when mrs nash was still alive and she wasn't able to and she finally gets the information she needs about where this this woman is and uh, decides she's going to go to Key West and bring uh, some of Mrs. Nash's ashes to her and explain that that there was always this regret that Elsie had. Millie is intending to fly and in fact I'm trying to think I don't I don't remember where the book starts maybe Philadelphia or somewhere New York anyway it's far away from Key West is the (laughs) is the bottom line Um, and there's this big malfunction at the airport and it grounds all the flights and now Millie is stuck trying to get to uh, Key West because the woman that she's trying to get to is in hospice care and so there's kind of a ticking clock that she has to get there quickly because she wants to make sure to convey these messages that she has for her before she passes away and while she's sitting at the airport at the gate she sees this guy that looks kind of familiar to her she can't quite place him they have kind of a a negative interaction and then she realizes oh this is this grumpy guy who was in her ex's 
graduate program for writing. His name is Hollis, and she kind of vaguely remembers him. She thinks that they met one time, and but she doesn't have a great impression of him, and she thinks he's kind of a jerk. And he, he proves her right when he, they're sitting at the airport. He's not very friendly towards her. And then they go their separate ways to, to try to get rental cars because he is going to Florida to have a bit of a tryst with this woman who he goes to see when he has, wants to have a good time, let's say. <laughs> That's a family-friendly way of saying it. So they go their separate ways, and I think he has a car, I think. Anyway, regardless, he has access to a car, whether it's his own or he has a rental car. He he has a way to get there. And Millie is going to try to find a rental car or something. Well, he comes back, and she's, she's basically asked a stranger if he's willing to drive her to Florida. And Hollis is all grumpy about it. He's like, come on, just come with me. Like, you are not getting in the car with a stranger. That's a terrible idea. Just come with me. I will drive you. So then they... They go on this road trip from from wherever it starts and in, in all the way to Key West. And hijinks ensue. There is this stopover in this really small town in, I think, North Carolina that's hilarious. There's a broccoli festival going on. There's a parade that they get involved in. Um, and, of course, there's only one room left at the bed and breakfast <laughs> where they're staying. And so their dynamic is just so much fun. I mean, it's, it's this grumpy sunshine trope that's very popular right now. Millie is kind of just joy and light and fun, and she embraces chaos, and she's just sort of fun and he's more of a grump and and very taciturn and and she thinks he looks at her as if she's just silly and and he maybe does he maybe doesn't but so as they're on on this car trip they get to know each other better and and it comes out that maybe they did interact a little bit more than Millie had remembered and maybe Hollis was thinking of her fondly and it's so much fun the humor is great they have great banter and it's just such a fun romance, and I highly recommend it for a great summer book this year. It's Mrs. Nash's Ashes by Sarah Adler. That sounds pretty cute. It is very cute. It reminded me a bit of Christina Lauren. They're, um, that's a writing duo who have some very popular romances, and something about her writing style reminded me a little bit of them. So if you like Christina Lauren, I would, I would definitely add this to your list. Um, so now I'm going to bring it down a lot. <laughs> Um, so my second book is Me Moth by Amber McBride, and it is a YA novel in verse. And I liked this because it had a different tone than a lot of other road trip books, pretty much all the road trip books that I could think of. It's not carefree um, at all, and that's how I think of a road trip. So Moth is a young woman who lives with her aunt, and she lost her family in a car crash, but um, she and her aunt don't really talk about what happened. And she used to be a dancer and was um, really promising. She was she was planning to attend Juilliard, and now she's just a shell of who she used to be. So um, she basically is feeling intense guilt for surviving when the rest of her family didn't. So she meets a new boy at school who's named Sonny, and she's immediately drawn to him, and they see things in each other that others seem to miss a lot. So Sonny lives with his mom and his stepdad, but his father lives in the Navajo, Navajo Nation in New Mexico, and he decides that he wants to explore that heritage in hopes that it will help him with um, his uh, chronic depression. So Moth has also been searching through the hoodoo 
ancestry that she she was born into she um or a religion that she was born into she decides that she's going to that she's been searching for her own identity through that but she decides that she and sani can help each other with their their journey so they decide to take a road trip together to new mexico and i i can't remember where they start out now it's been too long since i read this but i think it's the south because it talks um one of the reviews i was reading talked about how the landscape is marked by the atrocities that are uh, that were inflicted on both of their ancestors so i think it's i think she's from the south and so this road trip isn't hijinks and adventures uh, it's more of a spiritual journey for the two of them and the their ancestors are actually a big part in how they work through their their trauma so th- her african ancestors and his native american ancestors play a big part in the lay the way the book is is written and the beautiful language that that um is used to describe how they they make this physical and spiritual journey so it's kind of hard to describe because novels and verse aren't uh, packed full of plot in the way that that a longer book would be but it's just an emotional gut punch um, and it has really gorgeous writing in the way that you would expect from from poetry so to me this was a really good contrast for the kind of, of road trip book that I usually would think of so that is me moth and it's spelled me and then moth is in parentheses and that's by Amber McBride. I have never heard of this. Thank you oh. for bringing this to my attention. It was one that we read for my Prince Committee. And oh. I think it actually... I don't know what, what happened with it on the Prince, but I know it mm. was a good, in the Goodreads um, mm. Awards. Somewhere, like like mm-hmm. either in the YA section or in the poetry section. It has a really gorgeous cover, too. My next one is The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. And I will preface this by saying I love Amor Tolls. <laughs> I loved Rules of Civility. That's one of my favorite books of all time. I loved Gentlemen in Moscow. And I loved this one, too. And this is a road trip novel, so it felt, it felt just perfect to include it here. It is set in 1954, and it is about 18-year-old Emmett, who was sent to a juvenile work camp because he accidentally killed a classmate. They were fighting and the classmate fell and died. And so Emmett was sent for involuntary manslaughter to this work camp. And he has been released early because his father has passed away. And so he is brought back to Nebraska by the warden of this juvenile detention center to care for his younger brother, who is an eight-year-old. And their their mom has left them uh, years before. And when he arrives back in Nebraska, he discovers that the townspeople where they live are really angry with Emmett still because they do believe it it wasn't an accident. They think he killed this boy on purpose. And then he also discovers that the, the home where they live is being foreclosed upon. So Emmett and his younger brother, who is eight, uh, Billy, decide that they are going to leave and they are going to go to San Francisco where Billy has figured out through various clues that that's where their mother is. So they have this old Studebaker. Well, maybe it's not old at the time, but it's a, it's a Studebaker that they are going to get in and they're going to drive to San Francisco and, and find her. And little do they know, or but they soon realize, that there were two stowaways from the juvenile work camp that, that came with them in the trunk of the car and they have run away from the work camp. And so now there are these four boys together and the two stowaway boys who Emmett clearly knows from his time there have decided they have different plans about some other things that they want to do before uh, they will let Emmett 
go off and, and find his mother and live his happy life that he wants to live. And so then it's just this epic road trip story. It's kind of a big, sprawling story. They meet lots of different people along the, the road, and they go east. I should add that. They go east instead of west um, from Nebraska. And there are all these twists and turns. Um, they meet interesting, quirky people. They end up in situations that are are these scrapes that they have to figure out how to get out of. And so it's just this great adventure story. And it's actually got, um, it, it's more moving than I expected it to be when I started it. I thought it was just going to be this epic, long historical novel. And and I should have I should have trusted Immortals. Uh, <laughs> but it, it ends up taking some turns that I didn't expect it to. And some big surprises along the way. And I definitely recommend it if you haven't read it. Read it. It came out last year, I think, and that's *The Lincoln Highway* by Amor Tolls. That's interesting that I'm realizing that all of my books are east going west because I think of going to the west as I think of the west as prime road trip areas. Yeah. So, huh. Interesting. What's well, your I last have one. one? Pardon? Like, or does your last one go east west or or west east? My last one goes west east. So I have two that go west east and one that goes north south. Oh, okay. So you're and I can think of several other romances that go north south. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Okay. What's your last one? This is a this is a a topic for a dissertation, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my last book is the Farewell Tour by Stephanie Clifford, and I debated on this one because it's kind of not a road trip book in the sense that it's it's a tour bus uh-huh. um but i think the spirit of the road trip is still there so um yeah so that's what i went with so i just barely finished this and it's a historical fiction novel that's about a fictional famous country singer named lillian waters um or she also goes by water lil so it starts in 1980 and she has um performed with the greatest names in country she knows everyone but after an incident in um, I think 1975 in Memphis, her career has been basically over and she's just been living in Nashville ever since. So she notices that her voice is changing and she gets a diagnosis from her doctor that basically says that she's she's through um, singing. So she decides that she, until her voice has gone completely, she's going to go on a farewell tour and she specifically wants it to end in Walla Walla, Washington, where she was born, because she wants her estranged sister, Hen, to see what she has made of herself. And that's just incredibly important to her. So the tour starts out badly because she didn't get the band together beforehand to rehearse. And she doesn't really have the outpouring of goodwill and popularity that she expected. And she hasn't had her career for for five years. Mm -hmm. And so, and she she kind of destroyed her career. Um, She didn't she didn't um it it sort of ended with a bang and so she's performing in basically like third tier venues so she needs something to turn things around and so she reaches out to an old bandmate and friend named charlie haggerty to join in with with the tour and to act as the the band leader and he basically puts her in her place for always being focused on herself and not acknowledging the people who have helped her along the way but he agrees to come on on the tour with her so um, the book goes back and forth in time um, between the 1980s section and uh, the 1920s and 30s when Lillian was growing up in Washington, and it covers her strained relationship with her mother and sister and the father who abandoned them, but um, he's the one who taught her to love country music 
And um, from there, she progresses to the start of her career in Tacoma and then to Bakersfield, California, where she tries to establish herself as what they called girl singers. <laughs> and um, she lives through World War II and she experiences all of the terrible things that are sort of required from a country singer to be able to give the the emotional cred to to the songs that she's writing. So, um, so there's broken marriages and and abuse and all of those kinds of things that that are so uh, such such standard topics for that era of country music. So she eventually has some success and she moves to Nashville, but she still struggles with some of the same issues of of always pushing people away, always thinking that she is uh, above everyone else without anything to really show for it. But then she finally makes her mark at age 40 and becomes a huge success. So in the 1980 section of the book, she's traveling across the country with her band. Um, I, I think they start in St. Louis, I want to say, or I'm, I'm wrong on that, but it's the South. Um, and they stop at rest stops and diners, and she's hashing out her history with Charlie in the back of the of the bus. So to me, this just really captured perfectly the hard scrabble feeling of the West in the early and, and mid 20th century. I really identified with this because this is the West of my parents and grandparents, and especially the way that she talks with this sort of attitude and no-nonsense practicality just really reminded me of my grandmother's. So I think emotionally, I just was was the right audience for this book but the way that the tour of, is described as well the the way that they are eating in these rundown diners along the way and the the landscape of the midwest and the desert um the fights that they get into among the band the things that go wrong on on tour um these are the things that bring them closer together and to me that's what i think of with a road trip and a, a good road trip novel of all of these sort of bonding experiences mm -hmm. that are good and bad but ultimately you you grow closer as a result. So that is The Farewell Tour by Stephanie Clifford. I really want to read that. That was something when it came out that I kind of made a mental note of, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So. Yeah. All right, my last one is The Wangs Versus the World by Jade Chang. And this one, I looked up to see if I had talked about this one before, and it came out in 2016, and I talked about it in a season preview episode that we do you know where we what books yeah, we are yeah. looking forward to so when I talked about it I hadn't read it yet I don't think because it was a preview but um I just thought that was kind of fun because that was a while ago now yeah and I thought it was fair fair game to talk about again uh so this is about the Wang family and the patriarch is Charles who had was a very successful businessman he had built a business from scratch basically but the economy is going down the tubes and he has made some poor decisions in the business and now they are bankrupt, basically. The business is going to, to no longer exist and the family uh, has to figure out what to do next. So he decides that the thing that makes sense to him, they live in California, the thing that makes sense to him is that they are, he's going to pack up his family and they're going to move back to China, which is their ancestral home. So he takes his wife, who is his second wife, and his son, who is college-aged, but my impression, I read this in 2016, so it's been a while, <laughs> but my memory is that he's not in college. He's trying to make it as a stand-up comedian, and there's some tension there about that. And then they have a teenage daughter, and then their oldest daughter is living in New York. She's an artist, and she lives in the Catskills, and so they're going to take this road trip across the country to go get her in New York and then go back to China. 
So this is a family who is very used to the finer things in life. They are used to having every need not just met, but exceeded where they they have all this money that they could spend. And now, of course, they're not going to be in that situation anymore. They have to face the loss of those creature comforts that they used to have. Um, so that, that aspect of it kind of reminded me of Schitt's Creek a little bit as I was refreshing my memory mm-hmm. of what this book was about. And I thought, oh, yeah, that is, that's an element of this book is that they're – they're facing this future that's pretty uncertain, and and what does that mean? And the, the kids react in in a certain way, and the father reacts in a certain way, and his his wife reacts in a certain way. Um, and so that's there's there's an element of of kind of comedy and humor to it. Um, but then it also like Schitt's Creek reminds me, uh, or it reminds me a little bit of Schitt's Creek because they are spending all this time together as they're taking this road trip. So they're getting to know each other in ways that they didn't before because they were all just off kind of doing their own thing, living their own lives, and making assumptions about each other. And now they're actually getting to know each other as real people in a way that they hadn't previously. So I really liked this book when I read it. It would be, and it would kind of be a good one for our last topic too, about books like Succession, because you have mm, these yeah. these people. I don't think they were nearly as wealthy as the people in Succession, but still, you have the people who are uh, quite well off um, in the family dynamics. So that's The Wangs versus the World by Jade Chang. I've had that on my shelf since 2016, and eventually I'll get to it, because I, I think it sounds really fun. <laughs> Someday, when we don't have to work anymore, we can just read all day long. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to all publishers. those books we wanted to read. Yeah, and publishers have to stop publishing. Yeah, so just get caught up. A year or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay, well, those are good, all good road trip books, and we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um, so this week, I decided to throw a bone to our listeners who enjoy science fiction a lot more than we do. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a sci-fi book. It's called Deep Sky by uh, Yumi Kitasai. Uh, I'm terrible at describing sci-fi, so (laughs) bear with me. In this book, Earth is on the brink of environmental collapse, which is also true in real life. And the nations of the world decide to join together to create a mission to send young women into space on a ship called the Phoenix. And they will give birth to a new generation while in transit via sperm donors and they're going to a new home for humanity and now i can't remember if that's a planet or a space station um i don't remember sci-fi uh <laughs> details very well it's all so space. yeah um so a young girl named asuka was selected to represent japan but she feels like an imposter because she is from the u.s and from the u.s and she's never actually lived in japan and she's biracial and she isn't doing as well at the training program which lasts for years um as as the other girls that are in the program and she feels like she was only selected out of desperation and in the end when she she is on the ship she doesn't really have a specific role she's just kind of there to fill in where needed and even after years in space she hasn't given birth and she feels like she just is existing in this in-between area where she's not really hurting anything but she's not actively adding to the ship either and she doesn't know what her identity identity on the ship is and what her identity in life is either so she one day is helping with a routine um 
repair that involves a spacewalk and there's an explosion on the ship that ends up killing several people and pushes the phoenix off course so asuka is the only surviving witness of what happened and so that makes her a suspect and then other deaths start to occur so it moves back in time between the mystery of what happened on the ship um in the mo in the like current moment and also the training process that she went through years before and it covers all of her thoughts and misgivings and at the same time she has a very difficult relationship with her mother back on earth and so that too makes her feel even more isolated because she doesn't really have anyone to connect to so this book gave me a lot to think about and i found it really compelling this is one that i actually listened to which shocked me because i don't i i sci-fi i always feel like it when i need to read it for for like professional purposes i can't concentrate on it and it's even worse if i try to listen to it so the way that this worked for me um someone had recommended specifically the the audiobook and so i was like okay i'll give this a try but i've recently gotten back into cross stitching and oh. it totally stills my mind to the point where i can really concentrate on this so I was really shocked by that because the it, the listening process went really well and it was really easy for me to follow and I wasn't getting distracted by driving or cleaning or, you know, anything else. I just was just doing stitches. Mm -hmm. And so um, it probably helped that this is a mystery and there are a lot of concepts that I'm interested in with the the her struggle with her racial identity is something that was really interesting to me. So it's so I'm sure that helped. But mm -hmm. it also was just like just let the space wash over me and right. just keep stitching. And so this is a reminder that if something is difficult for you, then maybe try it in a different setting and that can make a huge difference and you can find books that you really enjoy. So that is The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitasai. I feel the same way about when I do jigsaw puzzles and listen yes. to audiobooks. Yeah. It's a yeah, very yeah, similar yeah. thing as what you just described with the cross-stitching. It's, it's a different kind of listening than when I'm walking the dogs or something yeah. I don't know there are other distractions when I'm walking the dogs or uh, yeah I always think that driving should be perfect because I'm just driving but then you start you know you're, you have to pay attention when you drive right. too, so it doesn't like still your mind in the way that it that cross-stitching or right. puzzle doing or anything does right. so so yeah it was yeah. a big surprise to me fun well what I am reading this week I actually just finished is the daydreams by Laura Hankin and it is about how in 2004 there was this smash hit TV show called The Daydreams, and it starred four young people. They were basically teenagers, or I think the oldest is 20 years old. And their characters form a band, and it's set in high school. So they're all these kind of typical sitcom, cheesy, corny jokes and, and storylines. But it's it's beloved. It's very popular. People loved it when it was on in, in 2004 and 2005. To me, I was picturing something like Saved by the Bell meets the Mickey Mouse Club or something like that. Like, and in fact, I do think there was a show that was about a band in high school. But anyway, so it's on a network that's, some, that's Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, that sort of family-friendly fair. <laughs> and then on... In the last episode of the second season, it's supposed to be a live episode. Everything just completely implodes after that. So they have this, it's, it seems like it's this huge successful thing that's just going to keep going. They're making, they're going to make a movie and, and they just, the future looks bright. And then the season finale causes everything to come completely crashing down. And so the story now takes place 
14 years later. It goes back and forth between 2004, 2005, and then basically the current day, although it takes place pre-pandemic. <laughs> so we don't have to, we don't get to have to worry about the pandemic part of things. Um, and so only one of the four original cast members is still acting and famous for acting, and that's Noah, who's the guy. He makes an offhand comment at a, in some sort of interview or public situation about how people are always asking him about the, the Daydreams show. And so somebody asks him, would you ever go back for a reunion or would you ever revisit that? And he makes this offhanded comment that's basically, sure, I would do that if everybody else were up for it. So now all of a sudden, of course, there's the network is saying, let's bring all these people back together because I'm sure it'll get lots of viewers and lots of people interested in it and uh, make lots of money. And so they are planning to do a reunion live show. The person that we basically follow is Kat, who was not an actor. She sort of stumbled upon the show back when she was a teenager, and she played the mean girl of the group. She played the girl who always <laughs> wanted to be like the star, and it would always end up being that she would try to sabotage things for Summer, who was kind of the golden girl, and then in her efforts to sabotage... Of course her would, name is Summer. Of course it's Summer, right? <laughs> uh, she would sabotage herself in the end because that's just the way this is the sitcom went so Kat is now an attorney she has no interest in in returning to this life but she is convinced to go back because Summer shows up and Summer talks to her about coming back and Summer was the shining star in the original run of the show and then had a complete and utter disastrous uh, meltdown basically very public um, lots of tabloid fodder shenanigans that happened she ended up in rehab a couple of times so she is hopeful that this will uh, rehabilitate her image a little bit to be back on the show so she convinces Kat to come back and then there's the third or excuse me the third girl the fourth person of the group is Liana who is married to a famous sports person and she's trying to be an influencer and so she's happy to come back because she thinks it'll bring more people to her you know to pay attention to her so as I said, the novel goes back and forth between the present day and then the past. And while it's mostly told through Kat's perspective, we also get snippets from um, newspaper articles and interviews. And there will be these sections that will be from Noah's perspective or from Summer's perspective. So we do get a fully, fully rounded story of, of everything that happened. And one of the things that happened was that part of what caused Summer's breakdown was her journal from the, the time period of the shows was leaked. And all of these things got out that she didn't want to get out. And so there's a question about who leaked that, like who who had a motive to to ruin Summer's life, basically. So there's a teeny tiny bit of a mystery. I mean, it's not a mystery at all, but, you know, not a mystery meaning not a mystery novel, but there is this teeny mystery woven through. And as the story plays out, we get to see everybody's secrets and insecurities and that that everybody has things about that time in their lives that has really impacted them ever since. And so all of those things come out. So it's very juicy. It's very behind the scenes of entertainment, the entertainment world has some commentary about the way women are treated in the entertainment industry that are pretty interesting. Um, and it's good. It's like a gossipy, fun 
read about you kind of picture Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears or, or people like that that you knew uh, that there were all these headlines written about all those years ago. So that's The Daydreams by Laura Hankin. That sounds so much fun right now. Like perfectly summary. <laughs> yes, yes. This game, I um, there's a podcast called The Bad on Paper Podcast that our, some of our listeners I'm sure also listen to. They do a lot of book-related content. And there's a Facebook group that I'm a part of, uh, of listeners of that podcast. And I had put out the call because I kept picking out picking up books a few weeks ago and starting them and then just sort of reading a couple pages and thinking, oh, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. And so I just put it out to the group. I said, what's the last book that you read that you just absolutely couldn't put down this summer, you know, that, that you read recently? And this was one of the ones that was suggested. And so, and it was perfect for that. It was just race right through it and find out, want to find out what happens next, but kind of light and fluffy at the same time. So, all right, well, let's go back and list off all the books we talked about. Um, Okay, I talked about The Summer Seekers by Sarah Morgan, Me, Moth by Amber McBride, The Farewell Tour by Stephanie Clifford, and uh, what I'm reading this week is The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitasai. And I talked about Mrs. Nash's Ashes by Sarah Adler, The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls, the Wangs versus the World by Jade Chang, and what I was reading this week was The Daydreams by Laura Hankin. If you'd like to get in touch with us to tell us about your favorite road trip novels or maybe a road trip that you took that you think Anne and I should take, <laughs> feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. It really does help people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Happy reading.